following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Good morning, everyone. Good morning to those outside and those joining us online. Um, It's always a great thing to have communion on Good Friday, isn't it? It just, I mean, it means something wonderful every week we do it, but something sacred and special when we remember Jesus this way on Good Friday. And so it's my great privilege to share a few thoughts with you um, at this time as we come around the Lord's table. Um, We don't have an actual table and we've got these little cups in our hands, but nevertheless, it's something that Jesus instituted for us to remember him by. And I pray this morning that through the songs and the scripture readings and as we come around this time of communion, that if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never invited God to forgive you of your sins and surrendered your life to him, that you will be so touched this morning by his great love for you, that your heart will be warmed as you consider and realize all that Jesus endured for you. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, I pray that our hearts will be filled with such joy and worship and delight and gratitude for all that God has done in Jesus this morning as we remember and reflect on Jesus where our theme for this morning is forgiven, and we're still continuing our series uh, entitled Promises Jesus Made, and and, uh, this is wonderful promise that's contained in this story. You know, uh, this thief on the cross, he's in a desperate, desperate place, and he cries out to Jesus, and he says this plea, Lord, remember me. Uh, Essentially what he's saying is, Jesus, will you save me? Will you save me? And, and Jesus makes this profound promise in verse 43. He says, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Oh, what an incredible promise that is. You know, in, in every religion all over the world, there is this sense of, of people wanting to be cleansed from their sin. You know, if we're honest, we all carry this sense of guilt and shame and regret for things that we've done. And and maybe there's a sense of fear in our heart that one day we have to give an account before God or whatever higher being you subscribe to. But this sense that we're somehow accountable. And and, and no matter what we do, we, we feel it's so difficult to shake this sense of guilt and this guilty conscience and this shame and fear that we feel. And every religion all over the world has some sort of purification ritual as part of its faith. Some sort of way to to get clean, to to get right with God. Some sort of way to appease the, the gods that you have angered because of your sin and your rebellion. Probably one of the most well-known is in, in Hinduism where hundreds and thousands of people go down to the Ganges River and they, they bathe there and they wash and they wash and they wash in some attempt to, to cleanse themselves of their sin and of their, of their guilt and their shame. And here we see this thief on this cross, desperate. He can't do any of those things. He can't fulfill the requirements of Jewish law to bring an offering, to bring a sacrifice, to to earn God's favor or to have forgiveness or to be clean or anything. And he cries out to Jesus and Jesus makes this promise. Today, 
you will be saved. Today, you will be forgiven. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. The question is, well, how can Jesus make this promise? On what basis? This thief hasn't done anything. How can he make this promise that this thief, this criminal, would be with him in paradise? Well, there's two things that I want to draw your attention to, two observations that help us understand why Jesus can make this promise. And by association, how we can be confident that this same promise holds true for us. Because see, all of us in our last moments on our deathbed, like this criminal was, that's what we long for, isn't it? The assurance that we're right with God. As the saying goes, that we've made peace with our maker. That today we will be in paradise. The moment we pass from death, that there's an end the story, that we're not damned or eternally lost or cease to exist, that somehow life will continue and we will be part of that new and wonderful ideal life in paradise. That's what we long for. How can we have that assurance? How can we be sure that that's going to be true for us? Well, in this passage, Luke tells us two things. One thing we see over and over again, and, and this other thief, this other criminal says this in verse 39, while he was hanging there and hurling insults at Jesus. He says, aren't you the Messiah? He says, save yourself and us. And we hear this taunt repeated over and over again in in, in this narrative where people are saying the same thing. In verse 35, the people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. And then again in verse 36, the soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine, uh, wine, uh, wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Save yourself. The good news is Jesus didn't. He didn't save himself. He didn't come off the cross. He stayed on the cross. See, throughout Jesus' life and ministry, he was, he was saying that his mission was to seek and to save the lost. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10 that he came to lay down his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus in the garden, as he faced the cross, as he knew what was ahead and saw the horror of the suffering and the pain and even more the rejection and the breaking of his intimate relationship with the Father, he embraced his mission. He drank the cup, as it says, of God's wrath all the way down to its dregs, leaving nothing there, submitting to the will of the Father and saying, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus stayed on the cross. He fulfilled the mission. He completed the task that the Father sent him to do. To be the savior that would pay the price, the, 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 the death penalty for your sin, for my sin, for this criminal's sin that was crying out in desperation, Lord save me, remember me. And that's why Jesus can give him this promise. Today you'll be with me in paradise because I'm going to stay on the cross Because I'm not going to save myself. Because I'm going to save you instead. How powerful. No wonder we call him Savior. The second thing that again uh, comes up over and over again. See, because we can ask the question, well, that's great. 
Jesus is saving humanity, saving the world. And that was his mission. But, but how? How can he do that? How is he the savior? What makes him different? What makes him so special? How can he make this promise and save this criminal and by association us? Well, it's this second truth that again comes out repeatedly. And again, it's in the mouth of this thief, this criminal that cries out in desperation. Because he says to the other thief, he says, don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, this man has done nothing wrong. And we see in in Luke's repetition over and over again, you've heard it read today, verse 4, Pilate says, "I, I find no basis for a charge against this man. And then again, verse 14, you brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. And then he alludes to even Herod finding no reason to charge Jesus. Neither has Herod, verse 15, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Again in verse 22, for the third time he spoke to them. Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. And then at the end, at the death, the centurion who was there, Seeing what had happened, praise God and said, verse 47, surely this man was a righteous man. I, I don't think Luke could get his point across any more clearly if he wanted to. Five times it's repeated. Jesus was innocent. He was perfect, blameless, without charge. See, that's the reason Jesus can be anybody's saviour. See, the Bible says that the only way to please God, the only way to be in paradise, the only way to be saved, really, to be right with God, is to live a perfect life. Now put your hands up, all of those who've achieved that. One, awesome. Because the Bible also goes on to say that none of us can do that. There is no one righteous. That our best effort, our best righteous deeds don't merit us anything before God. We can't do it. The bar is too high to live a perfect life. The Bible then goes on to say that because of that, we are all condemned. We're all damned. We all stand like this criminal, guilty as charged, deserving the death penalty. Like he said, I'm I'm being punished for what I've done. I deserve it. All of us stand with him. But the good news of Easter is that there was one sent, born of a virgin, born perfect, lived a perfect life, that in his last moment, in his trial, repeatedly was declared innocent, guiltless, sinless, perfect. And the Bible says that the only other way that you and I can stand right before God is to have a perfect substitute, is to have a lamb, as it were, that is sacrificed on our behalf. And so John, when he first saw Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry, sees Jesus and he makes this pronouncement, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because he didn't have to pay for his own sin. 
That's why he could pay for yours and for mine and for these criminals on the cross. See, Hebrews, the whole book brings this out, but these passages declare this so powerfully. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctified them so that they are outwardly clean. So this was the Jewish ritual of offering um, sacrificial lambs. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself, here's the key phrase, unblemished, perfect, sinless, righteous to God, cleanse not only the outward part of us, but our hearts, our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Paradise. Paradise. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And then later on, the writer also says, but he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin. How? By the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, which none of us really wants to. So Christ was sacrificed once. Listen to this. To take away. Not just to cover. Not just to pretend they're not there. But to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin anymore, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Paradise. Paradise. See, friends, that's why Easter is such good news. That's why I know sometimes we we come in and we want to be solemn and we want to be serious and somber on Good Friday. And I get it. A bit too much religion sometimes that drives that. But when we... When we get it, oh my goodness, I I don't know how you can be. Yes, Jesus endured horrific torture, suffering and death. But he did it willingly, lovingly, because he wanted to be your savior and mine. And he stayed on that cross to fulfill the mission of ransoming humanity back to God, to pay the debt that you and I owed so that we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to on our deathbed or any day leading up to that ever have fear to stand before God in his holiness. We will never have to fear being condemned or judged or separated from God to spend eternity in hell. We will never need to know that if we have trusted in Jesus like this criminal, We can know peace with God, that we've been made right with God, that we stand righteous as God's children, loved and and, and precious and valued in his eyes, forgiven and cleansed and our consciences cleansed and our sin removed, taken away because of Jesus. Because he bore it on the cross for us. And this is what the Apostle Paul summarizes so profoundly in just one verse In 2 Corinthians, when he says, God made him who had no sin, the perfect lamb of God, Jesus Christ, to be sin, to be sin for us, for us. Why? So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, this is grace when we receive something completely undeserved. Like this thief on the cross, he couldn't do anything. To make things right with anyone. He couldn't make amends for all the things he'd done wrong. He couldn't do good works. 
He couldn't go to the Ganges. He couldn't offer a sacrificial lamb. He couldn't do anything except call on the mercy and grace of Jesus and say, Lord, remember me. Somehow he had come to believe that this man who was being crucified next to him was the Messiah. Because he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He somehow believed, unlike everybody else there, that it wasn't in avoiding the cross that Jesus would prove his Messiahship, but it was in embracing the cross and suffering death in the cross that he would usher in his kingdom. He got it. How? I don't know. But he got it. And he was able to trust Jesus in that moment and be saved. So before we partake, my question for you is, how will you respond to this great act of love? How will you respond? You see, this thief, this criminal, I mean, if if they're releasing Barabbas for insurrection and murder, chances are these guys were pretty bad dudes. And it didn't matter. There's no grading of how bad or good you are to deserve God's mercy and forgiveness. None of us do. And this thief in, 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 in desperation does the one thing that we all need to do. It's to just ask. Ask, Jesus, will you save me? Jesus, will you remember me? Ask and then receive. Receive. That's it. Open your heart to the love of God. Open your heart to Jesus. Open yourself and say, Jesus, I surrender to your love. I surrender to your mercy, to your grace, to your forgiveness. I receive it all. And you can have the same assurance that this man did. You will be with me in paradise. But that wasn't the only response. You see, there were others there. The religious leaders who reject Jesus, who didn't get it, who should have gotten it, but they didn't get it. You know, and the other thing that stands out to me is that this thief, this criminal knew he was desperate. He knew he needed forgiveness. But these other dudes, these religious leaders, they they thought they were too good to need God's forgiveness because they'd kept all the rules. They'd been living all their life thinking that they were keeping all the rules and yet they missed the one critical command if you want eternal life is to believe in the Son. It's to believe in the Son. And this criminal did, but they didn't. They rejected him. But I pray that for all of us today who have come to know and believe and trust in Jesus, that we would respond with rejoicing. Oh, with gratitude, with wonder, with awe, with celebration, with worship, with adoration because of our great Savior whose body was broken and his blood was spilled so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be washed clean, so that our consciences, our guilt can be removed and so that we can have the assurance that we will spend eternity with him, rejoicing in him, celebrating him and worshiping him forever. Why don't you just take a moment to bow your head and and close your eyes. And if you haven't yet, you can open your communion. And we will partake in a moment.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Father, as we just wait in your presence, I ask you to come into each of our hearts through your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you will speak to us. Father, if there are any here that don't know you, if there are any here, Lord, outside or watching online today who don't know you as their Savior and as their Lord, I pray will you speak to them particularly that you would make your love known to them. Lord, we don't know how this criminal came to understand and know enough about Jesus to call out to Jesus. And Lord, I pray that this morning, even if people don't have a full knowledge of Jesus, that they would have heard enough today to say, Jesus, will you save me? Will you forgive me? And Lord, I pray that they will open up their hearts to you and receive your love today. Lord, I pray for those of us who are followers, who have come to believe, who have received you as Savior and Lord. Lord, I pray, will you warm our hearts afresh? Stir us up afresh. Oh God, may we rejoice in your great love. May we celebrate our Savior who remained on the cross, who lived a perfect life, who was sinless, spotless, without blemish, and took upon himself our sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, thank you for all that you endured. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your broken body, for your shed blood. Thank you for enduring all of that to save us. We worship you. We give you praise. We love you, Lord. We bless your name. Come on, why don't you just begin to open your mouth and begin to thank Jesus, begin to worship him. He's worthy. He deserves your praise, your glory, your gratitude, your thanks. He is worthy. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for your promise. We thank you, Lord, that as we confess you and believe in you, you will save us. Lord, that you have given us eternal life. Thank you, Lord, that our sins are washed away. Thank you, Lord, that there is now no condemnation. We stand righteous before the Father, that we are your children this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. We worship you. Let's eat and drink together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Before we have our next Bible reading, I just wanted to read again for you a couple of the verses of the song that we sang earlier. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, the gift of love and righteousness, Scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, 
I live. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, and my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled and striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ, I stand. In a moment, we're going to have another reading and we're going to sing some more. But I want to ask you to do something as you leave here. You will walk through, you walked in here through this, a torn curtain that tells you, tells me, tells us that what Jesus did on the cross was indeed finished. The symbol of separation between sinful humanity and a holy God is forever torn, ripped And we have access into the very holy presence of God. And so as you leave, let that be a visual reminder. As you walk through that curtain, that is your reality because of Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church Podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.